I'm Jack Semlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2017 Strip-Till Farmer Podcast Series. Today's program, Paying Attention to Planter Performance in Strip-Till, is being brought to you by Dawn Equipment. If this is your first time tuning in, you can subscribe to this series and get updates on future episodes currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if you prefer another app for listening to podcasts, let us know, and we'll look to get it added here as well. Thanks to Dawn Equipment for sponsoring today's episode. The new Dawn Pluribus strip-till row unit is the industry's first strip-till row unit with active row-by-row hydraulic down pressure, which allows you to make the perfect strip even if life puts you in a tire track. The new Dawn Pluribus makes a deeper, wider strip and offers hydraulic in-cab row cleaner adjustment all with the same high speed and low power performance you've come to expect. You can call Don today and set up a demo of the new Pluribus at 800-554-0007. Again, that number is 800-554-0007. Well, with more than 30 years of experience designing, modifying, and using planning systems, Jim Bassett says planners are the most important piece of equipment on the farm. However, they're also often the most ignored and least maintained. Taking a lazy or passive approach to setting up your planter can negate the advantages of seed genetics, targeted chemical applications, and precision technology. But there are simple steps strip tillers can implement to dramatically improve the performance of their planters and increase profitability within their farming operation. In today's Strip-Till Farmer podcast brought to you by Dawn Equipment, we welcome Jim in to discuss why and how improving planter performance is often the easiest and least expensive pathway to increasing yields and profits. Okay, planter setups for strip-till planting. Uh, You know, we can dive right into strip-till the planter is the most important piece of equipment on the farm, and it's often the most ignored and the least maintained. You all know that people plant sometimes and put the planter in the back of the shed and don't think about it until next year, but it is the most important piece of equipment on the farm. Your planter gives you a stand of seedlings to work with uh, the rest of the crop year, and without a good job of planting, none of the high-tech seeds, the chemicals, the electronics, the auto steer, and Everything uh, that goes with it, the tractors, combines, carts, dryers, grain storage, and marketing are of much use. None of them are required or or, uh, able to be used if you don't have a good stand of seedlings to start with. The planter is the most important piece of equipment on the farm. Okay, what I've seen in 30 years in the business of planting, doing a better job of planting is often the easiest and least expensive way to increase yields and profits for many farming operations. This is equally true regardless of your tillage system. Paying attention to your planter pays pays big benefits. And that is especially true when several tillage systems are used. I know we're at the National Strip-Till Conference. Uh, However, almost no one is completely all any one tillage system. Everybody's got worked headlands. You've got all various kinds. How many guys are purely one tillage system? Two guys. Okay. Most of us have more than one. I do strip till myself on a small farm in Wisconsin, by the way. 
Okay, so before getting into strip-till planter setups, let's talk about the basics of any row crop planter setup. The same basic row crop planter setup principles apply regardless of your tillage system or the size of your planter. Whether you got a four row or a 36 row, the same principles apply. And they're also similarly ignored. Uh, then we'll come back to the specific, specifics of planter setups for planting into strip-till. Okay, let's talk about, uh, the, get down to the real basics of a row crop planter. This is a uh, schematic of a seed meter, seed tube, and a row unit with a V opener, gauge wheel, and closing wheels. At 32,000 seeds per acre and five miles per hour forward speed, which are common populations and forward speeds, there are four or five seeds in free fall within the seed tube at all time. That's, uh, you can see the seeds in here. So we're going forward four or five miles an hour. There are four or five seeds between the meter and the ground at any time. You can have an atomic clock up there and you know, we spend so much time and money thinking about meters. You can have an atomic clock up there, releasing them at precisely the right intervals and still lose your seed spacing between the meter and the ground. One of the common causes of that is the seed making contact with the interior wall and bouncing down the seed tube. Seed tube orientation is very important to proper seed placement. The unit must run level. If that seed tube is tipped one way or the other, the seeds are almost certainly going to uh, contact the inside of the seed wall and your spacing is gone. A seed tube in either direction, either row unit nose up or down, affects seed meter operation. Seed spacing, row cleaner, and coulter operation, even closing wheel performance, are dependent on that row unit running level because if you're not level, your closing wheel bracket is running at an odd uh, orientation. Any coulter, any planter attachments out in front are running at an odd uh, orientation, either deeper or shallower than intended. And we spend all this time and money talking about meters, and we don't level planters very well. Okay, now, new belt type meters. This is the new John Deere Exact Emerge uh, seed meter. Tries to get away from this by using a belt and maintaining contact of the seed. The seed is not released until down at this point, right down in here. But it's still important that we get that whole mechanism vertical. And especially if we're talking about higher forward speeds, uh, which is one of the main selling points of this type of meter that you can plant at faster speeds, uh, it's very critical that this planter be set up and especially the orientation be set properly. In order to take advantage of higher forward speed capabilities in the new belt type seed meters, uh, setting and maintaining the correct amount of row unit downforce becomes even more critical when trying to maintain a constant seed depth. Think about a water skier. When, when you accelerate, when you go faster with a water skier, you come up higher. When you slow down, you sink down. Your planter does the same thing. The V openers are just like a water ski. They, in any soil consistency at all, the faster you go, the more they want to ride up. So the downforce required to keep them on the gauge wheels changes. It varies continuously with forward speed, in addition to soil consistency and soil type. Okay, maintaining uniform seed depth is extremely critical. If we're gonna hit 300 bushel corn, or even if we're gonna maintain 200 bushel corn, you need the seed depth to be uniform and proper where you want it. Sufficient row unit downforce is required to keep the row unit gauge wheel on the nominal soil line 
but you don't want too much downforce or too little. Many guys figure, I've got this adjustable downforce, I got these airbags, let's just sock it to it and make sure they're down there. Well, what that does is that compresses the, the soil from the nominal soil surface and disturbs your whole uh, seed depth relationship. I won't get into too many details there, but with too little downforce, your, your uh, seed is too shallow. With uh, too much downforce, your seed is gonna be too deep eventually. Okay, so to achieve proper seed meter and row unit performance, there are three basic steps. And again, this is independent of whether you're in strip till, conventional, minimum till, or no till. There are three basic steps which should be taken in the spring, in the field, before you, 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 you head into that field, or maybe your, your first 50 yards, to set that planter. Now, uh, those steps are set the toolbar height. You cannot level the planter until you set the toolbar height, set the toolbar level, and set the row unit downforce. Here's how to do each step. Okay, every planter in the United States and Canada is designed at 20 inch toolbar height. When, when engineers originally designed it, and they're all basically based around the John Deere 7000 geometry, uh, they put in a ground line and it went up 20 inches and there is the bottom of the seven by seven tube right there. And that is important to maintain if we're gonna maintain performance. Now this has to be done in the field and not the shop. And it's gotta be done with the tractor that you're going to be using for planting because toolbar height varies enormously from tractor to tractor. And especially if you've got a red tractor on a green, uh, uh, and a green planter or a, a green tractor and a red planter, the nominal toolbar heights are different. And almost every time you hook two different color planters up, they end up running either nose down or nose up. Sometimes you need to flip the drawbar, especially on a red tractor. Okay, it's done differently on different planters. You have to read the manual because it's all different ways. Usually on the bigger planters now, there are bolts in the, uh, uh, in the lift wheels that you have, to, you have set of holes to choose there. But you gotta level the planter some, or establish that 20 inch toolbar height somehow, right here, between the nominal ground. And that's measured uh, in line with the uh, row unit and with the seed. Usually what I do on a big planter is I take a couple rows across width on each section, one end of each section, and just use a tape measure. 20 or 21, or even 21 and a half, is better than 18 or 17. This is, takes about a half hour to do, and it's the most important half hour of the cropping year, is getting that toolbar height set correctly. And a lot of people have trouble with fertilizer coulters on planters, and nine times out of 10, it's because they did not set the toolbar height properly. Now, a big issue is these CCS planters, where you have an enormous amount of weight on the center section and nothing on the wings. So uh, when you're on concrete in the shop and everybody likes to set them like this, and by the way, deer dealers, they, they ship these planters in the lowest position so they have the, the lowest overall height on a truck. And they get to a dealer and almost no dealer corrects the toolbar height. I strongly recommend if you got a John Deere CCS planter and the other type of central fill planters are probably about the same, is that the first thing you do is you move the center four gauge wheels down so that on concrete, the wings look like they're sitting like this. So that when you get to the field with a nominally half full seed hopper, there's 6,000 pounds of seed in the center section that that unit comes up and runs level. If you've got it level on concrete, you're gonna be running too low in the center section when you get to the field. Okay, uh, after you set the toolbar height, you set the toolbar level. 
Now, this must, again, must be done in the field. Go 50 feet into a typical planting tillage situation and stop and do both of these. Set the toolbar height in the field with the tractor and then uh, pull ahead another 50 feet and go off the end of the toolbar and look at the marker. And even if you've got a huge planter, the intersection on the marker is always meant to be vertical. Get that so it's visually vertical. Forget the bubble level. Bubble levels, the ground is not level. What you want is it, it's square with the, with the nearby ground surface. Stop in the field, walk out, and walk out off the end of the planter and look back at that seed tube and just visually judge that marker. Is it tipped towards the tractor or is it tipped away from the tractor? And the way you correct that is by raising and lowering the toe point. There are many different ways to do that, but uh, in John Deere 7000s, you could not adjust the toolbar or the drawbar height. But uh, whatever you do, if it's a two-point or if it's a single-point pull, you have to get that toolbar adjusted, uh, the toe point adjusted, height adjusted, to get that marker square with the world. Forget the parallel links. If the parallel links were meant to be level, they would have been welded that way. They're meant to flex, to cover ground contours, okay? We're not concerned about the parallel links. We're concerned about the row unit. You can have your parallel links level and have this whole thing all screwed up. Okay, so by first setting the toolbar height, then setting the toolbar level square with the tractor, not level to a bubble level, and thereby parallel to the nearby ground, we achieve our row unit, not the parallel links, seed tube and meter oriented as designed. Right here, you want, you want the, the, the uh, row unit level. Now, some, the, the, the uh, industrial designers have kind of taken over planters lately, and it's ridiculous because they're all into thing, how things look, and they want to look modern. So there may be some times when this uh, line here, this metal line, is designed at an angle because it looks better. And so you can't just judge by this right here. The thing to do is to get the seven by seven tube square. If you got the seven by seven tube square, and the best way to do that is looking at that offside marker, off on the end, then the row unit will be in the proper orientation. Okay, number three. Okay, number one is set the toolbar height. Number two is to level the toolbar. Number three is to have set the proper row unit downforce. Having the proper uh, row crop planter unit downforce for varying soil and residue conditions is absolutely critical to planter performance and our ability to achieve a uniform stand and higher yields. And uh, why? Because we need the proper amount of downforce to maintain proper seed depth and environment. Uh, and how much pressure is enough? And let's just talk now springs or airbags. Okay, think about how row unit down pressure systems have evolved. Okay, you have the John Deere, I'll just use the John Deere numbers here just for reference. Uh, John Deere 7000 just had thick springs with eye bolts in the end. I mean, because they were going into potting soil. The 7200, they added uh, adjustable down pressure springs. So you could make, it started to be used for some no-till, you could increase the down pressure on them. Uh, but the problem with any spring is from when that parallel link is down to when the parallel link is all the way up, the downforce changes enormously. You know, as you go over a little berm, the soil type may not change dramatically there, but the down pressure changes enormously as that row unit goes up and down. The fact is, this doesn't really matter very much on a four or six row planter. It matters a lot on a 12, 16, or 24. Because across a, a 60 foot width, 
there is very little ground in this country that is perfectly level. And you get 12 inches of travel on those parallel links. They need to be able to, to, to move from top to bottom as you're planting without large changes in the down pressure. The reason airbags are useful is because as the spring goes up and down, the force changes enormously. As an airbag compresses or expands, it doesn't change dramatically. Change a little bit, but not significantly, at least compared to springs. You can change airbags on a 24-row planter a little bit easier than you can springs. But the main benefit of an airbag is the uniform force from top to bottom. Okay, but the problem with air is that it's compressible. And, and we were sold airbags thinking, well, I can change this on the go. Well, has anybody really tried that? You can have lunch on a 24 planter, 24 row planter before it makes the, the, the little dinky air compressor makes a significant change in the air pressure and downforce. So the benefit of airbags is that they're, well, they are single point change. You can eat lunch while you change them. And they have fairly uniform downforce from bottom to top, but they're not an on the go quick change mechanism. And this has spawned uh, our new uh, hydraulic downforce. We were the first ones in the market with our uh, Dawn RFX hydraulic down pressure system. Hydraulic oil is not compressible. You can make immediate and instant changes to hydraulic oil. Okay, so fixed springs are for plow discs and harrowed potting soil-like conditions. Adjustable springs were for reduced tillage, but down pressure varies enormously as the parallel links flex. Airbags are more consistent down pressure top to bottom, but very slow to change. And hydraulic is consistent, quick change on the go, gives you uniform pressure from top to bottom, no air compressors required. We've already got hydraulic force on the tractor, and it's suitable, it's really suitable for uh, fast, wide planters. So how much downforce, regardless of what kind of system you have, how much downforce is enough? You want enough downforce on the gauge wheels to keep them on the depth stops. That's where you set the depth setting, as you know, but not so much they're welded to the ground. If you go in part of your initial setup, go 50 feet after you get the toolbar height and level and stop. Leave the, the row units down and try to lift the gauge wheels. You should not be able to lift the gauge wheel because that means that you're not on your depth stops. But on the other hand, you should be able to spin them with some effort. What that means is that you've got 50, 75, 100 pounds of downforce on that. If you can't spin that, if it feels like it's welded to the ground, in many places you take a wet spot or something, that unit is gonna sink way deeper than it should be. Okay, on newer planters with the instrumented gauge wheels uh, and where you've got a monitor, an aftermarket monitor where you can set something called margin, what margin is is the force on the gauge wheels over and above what's needed to get the V opener in the ground. Generally, you want a setting of about 75 to 100 pounds of margin of extra force on these newer monitors with instrumented gauge wheels. Depends on your forward speed. If you're planning at six or seven miles an hour, you want 100, 125. If you're planning at four miles an hour, you can get by with 75 or maybe 50 in some conditions. Okay, strip till, especially spring strip till, as Jeff Reince uh, talked about at great length last night, provides a more uniform soil consistently requiring uniform downforce to maintain desired, desired deer, uh, seed depth. In other words, if you're really on the strip, and especially spring strip dill, the down pressure required, you can get by with springs or airbags. However, if you're off the strip for some reason, planter row unit downforce 
can change enormously. And you saw uh, Jeff Ryan's slides uh, yesterday and where he was off, he was talking about, well, being off the fertilizer. But the other thing is his planter wasn't properly at the proper depth, most likely. Seed depth and emergence can change enormously if you're off the strip. University of Illinois did some tests several years ago at their Northern Illinois Research Station, and they measured yield versus distance from a mole knife fall strip, and it, it went down dramatically as you got off the strip. So you really want to be able to stay on that strip. A similar situation exists for closing wheel pressure. It's more consistent, the, the more consistent the soil, like if you're right behind a, a field cultivator, you know, there's not that much variation. There still is some, but not as much as there is if you're on the strip versus off the strip. So closing wheel pressure also can vary. Uh, and if you're on the strip, it, it's, it helps maintain more consistent requirements. So the basic planter setup items that are often ignored is set the toolbar height, set the toolbar level, set the row unit down force, and your closing wheel down pressure spring. These items must be completed in the field. They cannot be done in the shop. And they gotta be done in the field with the same tractor you're gonna plant with. Okay, V-opener wear. An important adjustment, which you can do in the shop over the winter, is to adjust your V-openers. There are shims on either side of the bearing which you can move in and out. You want that inch and a half to uh, two inches right there between two business cards, which you just lightly slide up. Uh, you want the opener to create a V-slot, not a W-slot. A properly adjusted V opener will make a seed slot like this, and that seed is hopefully right down there. A worn V opener, and I've seen some V openers on some pretty good sized planters that you could take your finger and run it up. You can run your finger right up through here because the guys, you know, it's out of sight and out of mind, and people don't, uh, you know, heck, I got other things to do than adjust V openers on my planter over the winter. But when you do that, your seed slot is more like a W, and that seed comes out of the, the, the uh, seed tube, and it, it's indeterminate where it's gonna be. So you want a V opener, uh, a true V opener, to create a uh, V slot. Okay, it's an important adjustment. Goal is 1.52 inches. You want to create a V slot, not a W. It also makes it easier to close this slot than this one. Okay, other things that you can check over the winter time in the shop, parallel link pivot bushings. Uh, you want to make sure that uh, when you've got the planter up in the air, no load on the row units, relieve the spring pressure, whatever. Try to move the back end of a row unit from side to side. It shouldn't move more than about a quarter and a half inch maximum. Closing wheel bracket pivots. These are often terrible. How can you do a good job of seating when your closing wheels aren't necessarily centered on the seat slot? And those pivots tend to wear. Chains, uh, drive chains, shafts, transmission, whatever you've got on your planter, they should move smoothly, not jerky. We'll get back to Jim's discussion shortly, but I wanted to once again thank our sponsor, Dawn Equipment, for making this podcast possible. And I'd like to welcome in Joe Bassett, president of Dawn Equipment, to share a few thoughts on the unique design and performance features of the new Pluribus Row units that have just been released this fall. The new Gen 5 Pluribus strip-till unit. This is our first new strip-till row unit design in about seven years. And 
basically what we did was we took all the user feedback that we've gotten over that time and tried to just build as much as possible into it in terms of um, changes to the new row unit. So what I'll do is basically start at the front and move through it. People that have used the product in the past will understand a, a little bit more about some of the things that we're doing and why we're doing them. So one of the first things that's going on here is that this product is the first strip-till product on the market that has a row-by-row -row down pressure control system. And we knew from the outset that in, in the seven years that we haven't been coming out with a new strip-till unit, we've really been focusing on evolving our planter control products. And now what we're doing is we're feeding back in with the same type of technology that we're bringing to planters into strip-till. Because in reality, the, the strip-till row unit, and especially a row unit, a coulter-type row unit like this, needs the automatic down pressure control even more than the planter because you have three disc blades. They're running relatively deep in the ground and it amplifies the transitions between hard and soft areas in the field. So it's really gonna benefit from automatic down pressure control. Another change to the row unit, you have an equalizer gauge wheel arm setup. So the gauge wheel arms equalize the force between them as you go over uneven terrain, which is important for getting a consistent strip, but also for getting a consistent measurement for the down pressure. The load sensor is right here at the bottom of the depth adjuster. Now we have an easy depth adjustment. Another piece of user feedback that people uh, were irritated about is the difficulty of adjusting the depth. Now we have an easy depth adjustment there. There's a new type of crumbler wheel. There's gonna be a couple crumbler wheel options there. But one of the other things that, pieces of feedback that we got was that, you know, this unit kind of makes a U-shaped trough in the soil, right? And, and so this new row unit goes about an inch deeper than the previous row unit. And what we wanted to focus on was keeping all the soil in that kind of tilled area keeping it confined there. Even at the higher speeds that this unit operates, we're not gonna let it fly off to the side. And so that's why you see these new guards, so that this system is creating like a fluidized stream of soil that starts at the front and it excites it, and then these two coulters grab it and it kind of creates this turbulent flow of soil moving through the row unit. Then these wheels spin and chop at it and break up the clods. And at 10 or 12 miles an hour, there's a lot going on there. And these guards actually help confine the soil and keep it all trapped in that tilled area. The front disc blade, all three disc blades are now 18 inches. So you have one part number. The front coulter blade is supported from both sides. There's a new hub, a heavier duty hub that supports the front blade. And this is really cool you have this trailing arm floating row cleaner setup, okay? But it uses the GFX hydraulic cylinder. So right now we only have the hydraulic version, but we're gonna have a lower cost pneumatic and a higher cost hydraulic version of this product, just like we do for the planters. And this, this is really, people are gonna love that, just being able to fine tune that uh, row cleaner. The arm here it has a cutaway, so there's nothing, it, keeping the flow of soil from reaching back here. We've created additional clearance from the soil surface to the underside, just so that if you're in really wet conditions, it gives you more um, room for mud to flow through there. And then one of the really critical features of this row unit, 
is that our striptal concept is going to become modular. So instead of it being one monolithic structure, there's this attachment point. And so the front linkage Coulter row cleaner down pressure actuator system will stay with the frame. And that will form the basis for a whole family of products that you detach here you can take that off. We have a knife type strip tool module. You can stick that on for people that want to put on anhydrous in the fall or want to use a, a knife. You can take that off. There's going to be a strip freshener. There's going to be a whole variety of different things that can all fit onto that same core linkage right there. Thank you, Joe. And a reminder, you can call Don today to set up a demo of the new Pluribus at 800-554-0007. Once again, that number is 800-554-0007. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from Jim Bassett on defining planting objectives to ensure yield goals are achieved. Okay, now we've discussed basic row crop planter setup, which are common. The items I've discussed so far are common to whatever tillage system you've got. But what is the goal? What to, to achieve a, a, a goal, you need to really define what are your objectives? What are we trying to do here? We're not just trying to plant the seed. I gotta go plant, because that seed can be planted in good ways and it can be planted in sloppy and bad ways. How do we know whether we're doing a good job of planting this precious seed? You know, seed corn is $300 a bag. I paid $300 a bag for some traded corn. And I think, what is it now, just 80,000 units? I mean, that's a lot of money per seed. Uh, the most important job of the row crop farming year, we need a clear picture of what we're, what we're trying to accomplish here. And I would suggest, from my experience, there are really three elements of a good seeding job, okay? There's the seed depth. You set your seed depth. How closely is your seed really maintaining a consistent and uniform seed depth? Then there's seed to the soil contact. Okay, I can have my seed at the right depth, but if there's air pockets down there, and if I haven't got good seed to soil contact, the seed's not gonna germinate at the same time. And then there's seed spacing within the row. That's the other criteria for a seed job. So the seeding job, uh, the elements of a three seeding job are seed depth, are you at the control depth, and is it uniform depth from one end of the row to the other, <laughs> seed to soil contact, and seed spacing in the row. Okay, this is a really good job. This is just east of here in Monticello of strip-till seeding. And I love it in the early spring, maybe after a rain, where you can see the dark soil, and you can see Every corn seed is up at the same height at the same time. Okay, so number one is a seed depth. Uniform seed depth gives you more uniform emergence, which gives you more uniform pollination, which gives you better ear fill, which gives you higher yield. Uh, and the cost to do that is nothing. You don't have to go out and buy something. You just need to pay attention to these items. Uniform seed depth uh, makes it easier to get good seed to soil contact, which also equals emergence. Too deep is tough to close, too shallow and it dries out and you get poor root structure. Okay, uh, maintaining a uniform seed depth planting across a variety of seals and conditions means that we don't need to compensate for seeds on top of the ground. 
I bet almost everybody in this room has gotten out of the cab of the tractor when they're planting and you see a few seeds on the ground and what do you do? You go increase your depth setting, okay? And you're paying a penalty all the way across that field, your entire, your entire field, because you saw a few seeds on top of the ground rather than figure out why are those seeds on top of the ground. When you're doing a good job of seed depth and maintaining a uniform seed depth, you can set the depth you want and hold it, and you're not excessively deep, which delays emergence and makes it really tough to close. It's really tough to close a two and a half inch deep slot with rubber tires and stiff soil. Okay, number two element of a good seeding job is seed to soil contact. Seed to soil contact is essential for quick uniform germination and early growth. There should not be air pockets around the seed for the fine roots to dry out. Pores in the soil, fine pores for root hairs to grow into are good. Air pockets are not. And there should not be smeared sidewalls. I mean, guys make a living talking about smeared, blown sidewalls and whatever other terminology you can think up there. But in, in fact, a, a smeared sidewall, if you take a 750 drill into mud sometime, muddy clay, you know, a single disc is going to really smear that sidewall. It's tough to close. Same thing with a planter V opener on a smaller scale. But we don't need to till the whole field to avoid that. We can uh, solve the problem in the back. Okay, the third element of a good job. Okay, we got, we got seed depth, we've got seed to soil contact, and now we've got seed spacing in the row. To tell you the truth, seed spacing in the row is not that important. People also make a living talking about seed spacing and selling you all kinds of stuff to, to, to improve your seed spacing, but there's been research done at Purdue University and elsewhere that slight variations in the seed spacing really are not that important to yield. We don't want doubles or triples because the corn just turns into a weed. You get, you get three stalks and no ears. And you don't want real skips because you're, you're giving up yield there and you get real weeds there. But slight variations between single seeds in a row are not as harmful to yield, to yield as bad problems with seed depth and seed to soil contact. Okay, so the goals of a good seeding job are seed depth setting and uniformity, seed to soil contact, and seed spacing in the row. And you want to maintain all three of these across a wide range of soils, conditions, and tillage systems. Almost everybody that I know that strip tills has worked the headlands or an area where you unloaded or parked trucks or something else. And you still want to maintain the same criteria for a seeding job in those worked areas as you do in the strips or as you do in the no-till or as in that conventional field down the road. Okay, these are common to any tillage systems. And they have been ignored in any tillage system also. Okay, in the past 20 years, now, when we talk about planter setup, most people these days, and I think the reason they asked me to come here, was because we wanted to talk about planter attachments, okay? I haven't said a word about planter attachments so far, except orientation, okay? You can, you can make a lot of money not buying anything. Don't, buy a, don't think planter attachments are going to solve your problem. Set the dang planter up correctly first, then you think about attachments for whatever conditions you're going into. And people complain about, well, you know, why do I have to buy all this stuff to customize my planter? Well, OEMs, the manufacturers, like things that work the same in Arizona and Quebec and Iowa and Georgia. There is no such thing when it comes to soil, con soil engaging tools. So that's why uh, aftermarket companies such as Dawn Equipment uh, have thrived. 
because we help you customize a planter for your conditions. And you can take, you know, you take a tractor uh, and uh, develops 100 horsepower in New Mexico, it develops 100 horsepower in Iowa. There are places where you take a, a planter across the road and it doesn't work the same because of different tillage conditions or residue or whatever. We help take care of those differences. Okay, now there are definite reasons for and advantages of equipping a row crop planter for a tillage, strip tillage system. As Tony Vine said last night, strip till is a near perfect system because it gives you the benefits of almost conventional tillage in the strip at a much lower cost and, and effort. Uh, one of the reasons is much lower cost and effort than uh, tilling the whole field to the same consistency. Why should we till underneath that 40,000 pound axle load tire the same as we do in our flower pot where that corn pot plant's gonna be? Okay, now there are two basic, in my mind, and, and this is open to debate, okay? But in my mind, they're really, and you can look at different manufacturers' equipment, but there are two real classifications of strip-till. There is fall strip-till, and there is spring strip-till. Generally in the fall, uh, well in the fall you can use either a Coulter-type machine or a Shank-type machine. In spring strip-till, you generally want, and this is my opinion, you do not want to use a shank machine in the spring because in some soil conditions, and I have numerous examples of this even in central Illinois, a shank run in the spring quickly, you know, just close to the uh, head of the planter will leave an open smeared slot. The soil in the spring dries from the top down, not the bottom up. So you can have fit soil on top, but if you're trying to get that baby down deep, like some companies try to promote, in the fall, that's fine. In the spring, it's not, because that ground is wet, slimy clay, eight, nine inches down. So some characteristics of fall strip till. Again, regardless of whether it's a Coulter machine or a Shank machine, it, that strip gets crusty, uh, and it, it, it overwintering reduces air pockets. So if you're gonna do fall, uh, use a Shank-type strip till machine, I really recommend do it in the fall. Spring strip till, is more mellow. It's us we usually use a Coulter type machine. If you look at the manufacturers, there are several manufacturers, and I won't use their names here, that are, that are known for promoting shank type strip till. Uh, they're now coming out with Coulter attachments to, to refresh the strip uh, or do something to it in the spring. The spring, you want to run a Coulter. You do not want to shank ahead of the planter in most uh, field conditions. Okay, now I want to deal with the myth of the berm because you'll hear the term, you want to berm in strip till. Well, that's a myth. Unless we are cultivating up beds or ridges, and this is not ridge till, we're talking to a ridge till conference, we're talking to a strip till conference here. Unless we're cultivating up beds or ridges where we're moving soil laterally, a berm is just another word for I got subsurface air pockets. The reason that soil is two inches high down there is that there's an equivalent volume of air is an air pocket down below. It's just, it's not rocket science. Small pores in the soil are good, air pockets are bad. Now, over the winter and most Midwestern conditions, nature will take care of most of those air pockets through freeze-thaw cycles, rain, whatever, snow. Uh, various types of crumblers, you'll see strip-till machines, shank-type and coulters with various type of crumblers in the back. Uh, crumblers will break up surface clods, but they don't really address the air pocket issue at the bottom. They'll make the surface look nice, but they don't address the air pocket issues at the bottom. 
you can still have, you can have a beautiful looking surface, but have an open slot with uh, uh, air pockets down to a real hot band of uh, fertilizer uh, with a shank machine. Okay, now this is uh, near Mononk, Illinois, central Illinois, some of the best uh, drummer soils in the world right here. Uh, this, I like this video, it's from 2008. This is a uh, uh, 24 row unit, uh, pluribus units on a uh, Wilrich bar. Uh, he's putting down 28% from the tank. But uh, I like this video because he started this field in the fall, did some fall strips, didn't got rained out or something, snowed out, and then completed it in the spring. This is the spring strip right here. And when he comes down and turns around, I'm just using this as a definition of a spring coulter made strip. Okay, now this is wet under here, okay, it's wet. But in about uh, maybe uh, four to six hours, that strip is a beautiful place to plant. Okay, these strips right here, this is the other end of the same field. And, and this is a relatively uniform drummer field. But this, these are the fall strips made with the same Coulter type machine. So I'm not picking on anybody's machine. This was made with a pluribus unit in the fall. But it was crusty. We had snow build on there. It got compacted. And actually, once you disturb the crust, it was almost gummy yet underneath there compared to the spring strips, which with a few hours of sun and wind on them, were a gorgeous place to plant. It looks like a field cultivator went through there. In fact, I've had people tell me, you know, if you called this a narrow row field cultivator, you'd sell more, you know. Okay, now, uh, let that go on a little bit. And I want to show you the setup because I'm going to come back to this. If you're planting into a fall strip, this is the way to do it. With a 1572 Coulter combo. I'm not a big fan of Coulters, but it helps break up that crust. Now, this customer uh, was a disciple of some of the, there's a, a guru in central Illinois that says that the, and they ran a magazine article that said the best closing wheel system according to his tests are two cast iron wheels. Well, I, I, I can't say much about that other than that's a bunch of baloney. <laughs> okay, continue, <laughs> continue on. Okay, so I gave this customer a couple of curved tying closing wheels, okay, right there, and you can see the difference between, in this strip, and then it goes over and it looks at a, there's a cast iron strip. The cast iron strip left two little valleys, whereas the, the curved tine crumbled it in. Okay, this is Dan Stapmuller, just east of here in Monticello, Iowa. Uh, a few years ago, this was the uh, year of the Cedar Rapids floods, the floods around here. So he's late, May 14th is late. And they're stripping and planting at the same time. But uh, this is again, um, an example of what you can do on spring stripple. This is also before the RTK would, would handle his hill. So you see him wind back and forth. That tire should be on top of the row. There you go, okay. This is his son, who's about an hour behind him with the world's cheapest planter. It was a uh, 12 row 30, three point uh, mounted Kinsey planter. He had starter fertilizer on it, but they're not using it. And he's just got a set of just tooth wheel. These are a set of Martin pin adjust row cleaners on here to level out that strip. And again, they're behind, they're probably a month behind where they like to plant uh, in, in Monticello. But his dad's gonna come right, there, there's an hour between the strip till rig and the, and the planter. But, this guy raises tremendous corn. Any, anybody here that knows him knows his, his reputation. And this plant, this field is hilly, and it was as it existed behind the combine when they pulled in with two tractors, a strip-till rig, and a planter. And when they pulled out, they're done.
Well, thank you, Jim, for sharing your experience and advice for properly setting up planters to maximize strip-till performance. And again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Don Equipment, and the new Pluribus Strip-Till Row Unit for helping make this Strip-Till Farmer podcast series possible. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. And if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast series in iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when upcoming episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting your farm today by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free strip-till strategies daily email alert. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at striptillfarmr and on our Striptill Farmer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again on December 1st for the next episode in our 2017 podcast series. And a reminder that you can still register to receive our brand new Strip-Till Farmer print newsletter, which just debuted this month at striptillfarmer.com. For Jim and Joe Bassett, Dawn Equipment, and our entire staff here at Strip-Till Farmer, I'm Jack Zemlicka. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.